Blog Talk Radio. Homelight 
can participate and accordingly use MLS data for their commercial purposes. That part of the controversy is, is quite clear and easy to understand. But the reason I raise this and the additional point I want to make is that another factor could ultimately come into play here, which is the issue of the accuracy and completeness of the MLS data itself. And that is something I haven't seen discussed yet with respect to this home light situation. You may recall uh, a controversy surrounding what Redfin attempted to do a year or two ago regarding the public disclosure of MLS data for agents. If you remember, it caused a pretty huge reaction, and they ended up pulling that data that they were publicly disclosing because of all of the blowback from the industry at large. And all I can say is that from 22 years of selling real estate myself, I know how incomplete MLS data can be. Getting more specific, in a single year a few years ago, I personally closed over $6 million worth of real estate that was sold outside of the MLS. So part of my production was this $6 million, which was a number of transactions, and they were not reflected in the MLS. So if you looked at only my MLS stats for that year, you'd never know that I did that much additional business. And in my market, that's quite a lot of additional business. And that's the major question or maybe even a flaw that I see in this home-like concept, like the Redfin concept before it. It's just not necessarily a complete and total picture of the volume and nature of an agent's business when you're only looking at MLS stats. So I think that's interesting, and I'm sure that this is going to play out into the future, and I just wonder if it's going to end up like Redfin or maybe there will be something different here. So uh, the second thing I want to bring up, uh, even more, I think, um, potential for controversy, involves a lawsuit uh, whereby a Virginia contractor sued a past client for $750,000 Uh, relating to a bad review the client wrote about the contractor on Yelp. Now, we're not talking about real estate here, but we are talking about online reviews. And if you're not familiar with the rules surrounding this, the Communications Decency Act of 1996 protects review sites like Yelp and Angie's List and other sites like that from being sued for comments made by users. So Yelp and Angie's List can't be sued, but reviewers themselves can be subject to defamation suits, and those laws vary by state. As an example, in Virginia, where that lawsuit is taking place, someone can be found guilty of defamation for harmful comments made on the Internet, like on Angie's List or Yelp. So why do I bring this up? I'm sure you've already figured it out, but it's because online re- online reviews have become very important in real estate specifically, and I believe they're only going to become more important in the future. And I'm wondering if this type of litigation might send shockwaves across the entire population of online review sites. And if this lawsuit is successful, how does that affect the willingness of people to go online and write reviews that might be construed as negative? And if people stop doing that, what does it do for the the integrity and the veracity of the total population of of comments and reviews that are left online. So um, I thought that was interesting because if you remember just two weeks ago on this show, we talked a little bit about a study that showed that as many as 30% of all online reviews are, quote, completely fake. 
so I'm just wondering if this trend isn't picking up towards the, you know, the damaging and the impairment of the value that people find in these online reviews, and that will be very disappointing for me because I think that online reviews are, you know, really important in all the social media stats that talk about how people trust peer recommendations more than advertising, etc. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing what our guest thinks about these two topics when we bring him on in just one quick moment. But two more quick things I want to mention. One, if you missed last week's show, we featured a gentleman named Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker King Thompson from Columbus, Ohio. That was one of our best shows, without a shadow of a doubt. Sean just dropped knowledge from start to finish. I learned a lot. Sean's a great guy. Please go listen to that show if you haven't listened to it already. And then, uh, secondly, next week, one week from today, we'll be having uh, Ms. Lonnie Rosales of Agent Genius on the show. For those of you who know Lonnie, um, one of the most interesting people in our space. Uh, can't wait to get her on the show. I've actually been trying to get her on for a very long time, so it was uh, kind of a, a small victory for me to get her to agree, and she'll be here a week from today. So thank you for bearing with me through all of that. Now we get to the reason we're really here, which is to meet and talk with uh, Mr. Eric Bren, again, of Chicago's Baird and Warner. Eric, are you there? I am here. How's it going? I couldn't be better and just so delighted that you're here. And let me just bore the listeners for another 60 seconds or so to tell them <laughs> my my story about you, and then you can All fill right. in the blanks and tell them what I missed because sure. I'm going to miss most of it. But um, right. uh, Eric is one of Inman's 100 most influential in the real estate industry. He has one of the most interesting backstories of anybody that I know <laughs> in real estate, and I'm going to force him uh. to tell you that story here in a moment. He's one of the finest speakers I've ever seen in this industry or any other, and in fact, Eric doesn't know this, but I've been tasked with helping to populate an event of some of the best speakers in real estate, and when I was asked for my opinion, he was literally the first name I provided, and I'm oh, really serious, well, Eric, that's the much. truth. Wow. Um, I had the pleasure of that. seeing uh, Eric speak at the Explode Conference in Chicago in 2011, and there were a lot of good speakers in the house that day. And I can tell you this, Eric was the best, and I still recall his speech wow. because he ad-libbed so much <laughs> of it that it looked like he was making the whole thing up on the spot, which I know he wasn't because it was too good, for unless he's just the best ad-lib speaker of all time. But Eric, no, you remember, you were, you were, you were, you had all these callbacks to things other people said before you, which is a skill very few people have. And I was super impressed with that. And then you brought in the whole Emerald Bam thing, which actually yeah, yeah, sounds, yeah. It sounds stupid unless you were there and saw you do it because it actually was brilliant. <laughs> and um, and what else? Oh, and then um, just uh, one more thing I'll say, and that is yeah. that I met Eric originally because someone told me that he was a guy that I needed to connect with. I was doing a project which was called the Is There ROI in Social Media? And yeah. so I was speaking to a friend of mine, I believe it was Mark Davison, and Mark well, said, oh, yeah. my gosh, you've got to reach out and talk to um, to Eric Bryn. Um, I did that. Eric then went on to, to contribute video for that project and then for a couple of other things I've done. And, you know, you've always done a great job with that, and you're just an Thank impressive you. dude. Yeah. So I'm going to get out of your way now and just say, Complete the blanks uh, in my story, and then please okay. tell your backstory. All right. Well, I appreciate everything that you said, Michael. And, of course, I tell everyone that you're one of the most amazing people I've ever met in terms of just leveraging 
these platforms, the web, social, mobile world that we live in, and it's um, it's just, I just say it flows like water, and that's always something that I'm trying to figure out myself. So it's amazing that uh, that we've connected, and you know, you should be applauded for your efforts as well. Um, the the uh, on the speaker thing, I just a little note on that. I think that if you're invited to an event and you're part of a of a on the dais and you're um, uh, say that there's an overall theme to the event, which Explode had a certain theme, that you owe it to the conference organizer to try to tie things back, and you owe it to the audience to try to tie things back. Um, this way, it, your presentation comes off as part of a synchronous whole, and it allows them to come back and you know walk out with meaningful or hopefully actionable things to do after that. So that's 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 how I try to approach everything when I go speak at a conference. Um, so I'm cool that I'm glad that you noticed noticed that. And so, I appreciate I mean, that, Eric. And I appreciate that, yeah. Eric. But I actually think it goes beyond that. I think it's there, there are certain <laughs> people that just have talent. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like okay. you, yeah. you're just good at it. So just accept okay. the compliment. Well, thank you. I will. I will. Okay. <laughs> it's that Norwegian blood of me that runs around. You know? <laughs> no, you can't talk about yourself. Anyway, okay. So the backstory. I don't know. You know, it's an interesting. It's an interesting story. Um, I'm, I focus a lot at Baird and Warner on on how to improve agents' lives and, you know, what can we do to make things simpler for them to do their job. I mean, the, the basic directive, I'm blessed with great leadership from Steve Baird and Jennifer Warden, who's, pre- who's president of, of the company, in the sense that, you know, it's a pretty clear vision. Eric, we want you to focus um, your efforts on p- making it uh, the best real estate experience in Chicagoland for both sales associates and their clients. So that's sort of a, a nice charge. And a lot of that comes around, like, what is the concepts around customer service or client service? And it's an interesting thing. Is I think I told you this. It's uh, all I learned about client service or customer service, I learned in the boiler room, if you will, of a cafe, a very, very uh, uh, popular cafe um, where – you were part of one or two person two or three person staff managing the room and you had to basically bust the tables make the food deliver the drinks you had to do everything on your own so it was pretty much like a stage but you were controlling the environment and one of the 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 things that we uh strive for was uh understanding uh, the 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 space so well that you are in tune with your clients at such a sublime level that that before they even ask for anything you had it there and so it's pretty simple to, concept to 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 grasp when you say oh this person's come here five or six times a week he likes this or she likes this have it ready before they walk in the door that's a certain thing of course that promotes word of mouth but I think the more cool thing was is that if Someone dropped a utensil. There was a wood floor. Each utensil had a different sound or tonality, and that one of the coolest experiences to do was to have that ready before they walked up and asked for a new one, and you knew exactly what it was. So if they dropped the knife, you just say, here's your knife. That is about (laughs) client service, right? So what happens is, is that because you're so in tune with the what I, you know, in this case, I just call it the constituency or or the people in the room, that that delivers then a delightful experience. That's sort of a designed experience that we were exploring back in the day. This is back in the 80s, 90s. You know, I'm sort of dating myself. But the idea is that if you are that in tune, p- 
people promoted the place because you respected them as a client. The same theories underlie everything that we're doing in real estate in this day and age. So part of my charge to do here is to say, how can I, at 100% of my effort, and I believe this to my bones, but I'm, I'm going to go over some of the the uh, NAR stats that support this theory as well, but it's, it's and, and Baird and Warner believes this too, it's, it's the idea to keep, the, the sales associate needs to be at the center of the relationship, but what form of systems and types of technologies can we put in place that supports that central proposition? And if you sort of think about it, it comes in with training, comes in with system designs, all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of where where I got this concepts around customer service. So how can one of our sales associates be so in tune with their clients and their needs and their wants and their desires and how they interact with our agents through their virtual presence, if you will, that they can deliver that sort of sublime customer experience. So there's always a, a, a great event, right? And then that promotes personal referrals and all this kind of stuff. So just sort of going on the journey, because it is sort of interesting, uh, ended up in Austin, Texas, uh, uh, um, managing a band, had a wonderful life doing that. Um, and that's actually where I decided to go to law school because I was going to go take on some of the big record labels in terms of how they treated the artists. Got through law school, got caught up here in the startup community that was uh, burgeoning within Chicagoland, and then uh, focused really around the direct response, direct marketing uh, premises, and, 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 and then layering those into permission-based email marketing, which you know a lot of big brands use this day and age. They have database marketing principles tied to permission-based email marketing principles, and you're getting information you know in your email inbox that's pretty much targeted. I was part of that helping form some companies. One of them was eventually bought by a huge company. Um, and then uh, ended up in real estate, working for leading real estate companies of the world, um, focusing on the needs and the wants and uh, brokers, and then hopefully um, delivering um, a value to those brokers. And I worked there for about eight, nine years, I think. And then I came to Baird & Warner because uh, that's where I met Steve Baird and very impressed with his leadership, but just mostly his view of the landscape around around brokerage services and operations, he's and I called him up one day and said, "Steve, I'd, I'd I'd like to work for you." And he says, "Well, let's see if we can make that happen." And we did, and here I am, and I'm having a great time doing what I'm doing. So, so uh, you, that's the so back you, story. Well, it's a fascinating backstory, and and you know, the, the, to think that you went from that um, drop a knife on the floor, and I'm going to yeah. have a knife ready for you, you know, uh, food environment. To uh, to music, to law, to permission-based email marketing, to what you're doing now, I just find that's an interesting story. Yeah. My background is my background is a little bit weird for real estate in that I was a CPA for ten years and then I went to the opposite end of the spectrum to get into real estate. But your story kills mine in terms of just <laughs> being interesting. And you gave me the longer version of it, which I know we don't have time to go into all that, but you, uh, Eric told me some stories about music and law and all that. It was just fascinating. Yeah. And if you ever have a chance to meet Eric over a drink at a conference, pin him into a corner and make him tell you the longer version <laughs> of the story because it's great. <laughs> it's some crazy stuff, right? But, so, but, but what it, what's interesting is that you, know, you, you, know, you have your mom sitting on your shoulder going, now everything you do is going to add up and help you out in another job, so just remember that. And it actually does, right? So Oh, I totally agree. With, Dealing with artists, right, in terms of band, right, that whole idea. That I mean, great sales associates are artists at what they do, right? 
there um so part of how I how I dealt with that comes into play here. Um it's just sort of a systems design, sort of putting together a whole realm of systems, decision support software, online, you know, um financial planning software was one of the startups. All that concepts around figuring out how to create a system that delivers a need that both benefits the ultimate client and the and the org itself in terms of creating efficiencies, that leads into system design I'm doing right now. So it all builds up. You never believe your mom when you're like, you know, 18, but there you go. <laughs> believe your mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right about that, and I, I never yeah. cease to, to be amazed at how – uh, experiences that you never think are going to really translate into anything later in your life. Sometimes you think, well, I wasted two years on that, or I wasted a year or five on that. But it's amazing how, really, I, I think nothing's wasted. And, and as long as we learn right. from whatever happens in our past, it always adds up into something positive in the future. So let's now transition into the... Yeah. You know the meat of our conversation, and I definitely yeah. want you to to go back and cover. You you said so many things that I want to go back and explore. It would take me ten minutes to just tell you what they were. So let's just move forward organically, and hopefully we'll come back and pick up some of those yeah. things. So when I first approached you about appearing on this show, and and we just we had a brief uh, exchange about what we, what we wanted to talk about, and you, much to my pleasure, said, "Well, let's start off by you know staying true to the topic of the of the format, which is raising the bar in professionalism in real estate, etc." So, um, with that with that in mind, you know, what is a professional? You know, I've asked this question of many right. people, and I always get a different answer. So, and I really don't know what your answer is. So, why don't you tell us? Okay. Well, let's let me open up. I have this prepared. Are you going to cheat? Oh yeah, I have my big old iMac in front of me. Believe me, man. Hey, do you I've have been an preparing iMac? for this? Yeah, this do you have an iMac. Like, you know, your power. This is like your present. You know, your 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 PowerPoint. Your PowerPoint whatever. I know. So I'm kidding. What do you I have do an iMac? Is, what's that? You have an iMac? Yeah. Uh, how do you like it? I like I like Droid. I have this new HD Max uh, Motorola thing, and it is awesome. 4G LTD. You know, I'm just reading the back, but I love it. But I'm in terms of the the actual machines. It's a Mac, <laughs> Mac boy. Yeah, so me too. I started too. off I, in graphic design with Mac, then worked in PC for a while, and now it's all Mac baby all the time. Love it. Yeah, the reason I ask you the question is because I'm about to get another Mac, and I've I, I have a MacBook Pro, and I was thinking about getting an iMac, but I I just I curious like the big you, screen. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So go back. Yeah. Let's go back to and you answer okay. my question so about what's a professional. The idea is, what is a professional? Well, it's just sort of this is sort of the lawyerly aspect to my background, and it's just, just go to the definition, right? So just call up dictionary.com, and I'm going to go through a couple definitions here. It's, and then I'm going to. I would like to get into the NAR profile of home buyers and sellers because I think that's the data. And if anybody out there, right, if you are a licensed real estate professional and you're paying dues at NAR, buy this this pamphlet they put out every year. That's your yeah, roadmap going forward for the next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. And a lot of it is self you know, a lot of it you know, a lot of it is anecdotal in terms of what you know. This confirms what you know, but it also there's always a little nugget in there that just says, "Wow. I if I focused on one or two of these things, you know, I'm going to kill it." And remember, it's incremental. A lot of things I think that we're finding um through the through uh the last couple of years is, you know, big jumps that's rare. Incremental, focused efforts eventually gives you the benefits you want, right? So, 
I, you know, the basic, the, the, it's the big thing that he's an overnight success that took 10 years in the making, right? Exactly. Because of taking incremental progressive steps along the way. But anyway, what is a profession, right? So a profession is a vocation requiring knowledge of some department of learning or science, right? They're, okay, a little esoteric. Okay, so and it says compared to a learned profession. So let's just go on to the next definition. Let's go to the word professional, so following an occupation as a means of livelihood or for gain of or contained or connected to a profession, right? Okay, great. Again, it talks about a learned profession. So some of that means you have to put a lot of time into it, maybe get some licensing. You want to think about it in terms of has a couple of hoops to jump through. But then I like to go into um, the uh, uh, um, another definition. Let's just talk about a customer. So a person who purchases goods or services from another buyer or a patron. And then let's go into the word, the definition of a word client. A person or a group that uses the professional advice or services of a lawyer, accountant, advertising agency, or architect, etc. All right, so through this last definition, it's saying a client looks for professional advice. And then through the relate through the how the the definition defines itself, I guess it says lawyer, accountant, advertising agency, architect, etc. So lawyers get some schooling, accountants get some schooling, architects get some schooling, also get a license. So if you were to just say, hey, the licensing aspect of of our profession of the, of the real estate industry indicates some mode of professional um, uh, moniker then accept that at face value, okay? But then stop calling your clients customers. Or even so, as a vendor, if you're in the real estate space, don't talk about customers because they buy products and services. Talk about clients, okay? So it's sort of words matter. But So what is a professional? Well, a professional is someone who I would say is focused on the needs, the wants, and the desires of their clients. They understand them at a, at a very intimate, detailed level. They do not think of them as someone who gave them another notch on their belt of, a, of let's say, a top producer belt, right? It's these people look at their clients as, 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 as ways by which I can serve them and make them make their lives better, okay? And what you're doing in the guise of that, because it's in the realm of real estate, it is such a complicated, emotionally laden type of a transaction. The best real estate agents, the best sales associates, you see it every day. They have it down in terms of what is it, you know, it's a little bit like you know it when you see it. It's pretty hard to define, which is part of the reason why I go to the dictionary. So the dictionary doesn't really define it either, right? So you know it when you see it. You know it that when a, when a sales associate gets in front of a family and they're walking them through the three or four options they have because it's a short sale type opportunity or whatever, and they have connections and they have contacts that they can call to get other advice, and they're sort of helping that family out, make life decisions that are impactful. Okay, Unfortunately, a lot of that falls on their sales associates, real estate professionals in this day and age. It is what it is. The best professionals take it and they go with it because they know it's a life, it's a family, it's a person, it's a human. I'm helping them. So that, in my mind, is professional. Of course, there is a monetary – I mean, it's a business too. So not to be all Pollyannic about it in terms of the 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 
the sort of the aspirational goals of it. But I mean, I think you have to keep the aspirational goals in mind. If you don't think, in my mind, in my view, if you don't think that you're truly making a difference, right? You're helping families, helping people deliver a better, you know, uh, life outcome. You know, that's sort of, you know, what are you in it for? So that's I view, and the best lawyers do that, the best architects do that, the best doctors do that, right? Everyone's seen a doctor, been with a doctor probably, you know, logic, probably logically inconsistent statement that everyone has, but many have experienced a doctor with a just cold, detailed, yep. dry, data-driven, data-out, you know, it's a number on my belt today type, you know, interaction. Yep. And you're going, great, I just, you know, whatever, paid the equivalent of $1,000 an hour. For what? A five-minute, you know, whatever. Yep. And then you find the doctor that just takes the extra special effort to understand you as a person, what extra things that they can do, and wow, that's the doctor you refer, right? That's the Absolutely. doctor you say that's a same thing with dentists, same thing, and same things with with uh, in the, in our profession. And I do think it's a profession. Believe me, I get slammed all the time when I'm with lawyer buddies. Come on, that's not a profession. There's only two professions in the world, doctors and lawyers. Well, okay, you know that. You can't say that because, you know, Eric, we have three years of lawyer schooling. We go to college and all this kind of I But I, you know, fine. That is true. That is a profession. And that's a very, very strict interpretation of the word profession. But if you're thinking about client service and you're thinking about client centeredness, and yes, for what, you know, everyone can debate this. And I'm not debating this on this show, but everyone can debate, and you debate it on your Facebook page, right? About licensing and this and that. Whatever. The fact is, whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether it should be harder, whether it's not, whatever, there is a licensing and a structure in place to make sure there is some bar to entry to our to our industry. And therefore, why not just say, you know what? Fine. The bar, for me, it was low. For me, it was high. Whatever. You're over the bar. you got a license. Act like a professional. What does that mean? Think of the best experiences you've had with lawyers. Think of the best experiences you've had with doctors and act like them. Because they consider themselves true professionals, well, then model it. Because then you are acting in line with what the profession, you know, what a professional standard would be. But ultimately, if you just think it of yourself and you start acting in, within yourself, you become it, and everything takes care of itself in the end. It's sort of that that one uh, video we did. I can't remember the wooden quote right now. Oh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I know exactly the quote. The quote is, right. the, well, well, I think I remember the quote. My memory is poor. But but it, it had, my favorite wooden quote is right. where he talked about the very first practice. And remember, John Wooden was the coach at UCLA, which I believe he won 11 yeah. NCAA titles during his tenure in, in like 13 years or something ludicrous like that. Yeah. They recruited the finest talent in college basketball, you know, I mean, he was a literal juggernaut dynasty. And the very first practice every year, they started with the same exercise, which was tying how to tie your shoes properly. That's how, yeah. that's how much, that's the basics to which he broke it down. And there were so many, I actually don't think that was your quote, but there were so no, many things. No, the quote things. is, be more concerned with your character than yes. your reputation. Because yes. your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. So yes, that was the it. idea of what I just sort of was talking about in the terms of what we're discussing related to professionalism and moving past the debate, right, of licensing and just say, I am a professional. I will 
act like a professional. I will deliver service commensurate with the best professionals out there in other types of industries, so the medical or the, the legal industry. Right. And that's my character. My reputation will take care of itself. And that's pretty much, <laughs> I would say, true. <laughs> you see yeah, all day I long. Yeah, and so. going back to something you said a moment ago about, you know, in terms of the debate as to whether, you know, what, you know, is real estate a legitimate profession or not, you know, I I came into the game, again, 22 years ago with an attitude which was I personally um, suffered through three of the worst agents I, on planet Earth. I, and I don't know if it was God's will that this would happen to me so that I would somehow end up in real estate, is, however crazy that makes me sound for saying that out loud. I don't know what the reasons were. All I know is that I went through three agents in the span of about five years that were just one after the other inept, dishonest, just God-awful professionals. They weren't necessarily bad people, but they were terrible at what they did, and the I'm coming at this from an illogical perspective, but I'm going to get to my point here in a second. And that is yeah, this. go for it. Um, I was harmed financially by oh. the actions of these people, and not in a small way, in a large way. And, and I look back on what happened, and I don't want to go into all the details, but the gist of it is, were I in the shoes of one of these people, I would have said to me, don't buy this. It's a bad decision. It's high risk. It's a poor location. You've got all these other choices. Slow down. Just be a little more patient, and I guarantee you I'll find you something that you'll like as much, if not better, in a much better location. Instead, what I got was sign here. Right. And so, um, uh, and so my, my point really is the financial consequences of a typical real estate transaction for most people are significant. So to me, that in and of itself requires that those who would serve people who are buying and selling homes should be professional, whether required or not. Because and, and think about it. What you said, you just tied it back to those other learned professions, let's say, the lawyering and mm -hmm. uh, medical profession, right? Yep. What, you know, like, let's just take this thing you were talking about earlier, the, the, the defamation case in the Yelp case in Virginia. Wow, a legal ramification that can has a, that has prime, you know, long term, perhaps deep financial consequences, health conditions, deep financial, you know. So the idea is, you're right. the 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 real estate transaction has big financial consequences. So. It, it certainly can, and you know, and it's funny mm -hmm. because when when I think about you know, what I see good agents do where they put the interests of their clients above their own and, you know, they're not going for the quick sales, they're going what's really optimal mm -hmm. for the client, which can often mean a lot more work for the agent. It can often mean the risking of the relationship with the client. Yeah. I want to tell you one real real fast story. Many years ago, I had a transferee client. You know, I, Detroit is a big relocation market with the auto industry, and I had a relocation client. And it was a young couple, a very, very impressive young couple. The guy had a fast-track job at Ford, and his wife had a degree from Georgetown, and she was just super cool and super awesome. And I hit it off with them like they were going to be my best friends. And I recall um, showing them around, and they were getting, of course, advice from their, quote, friends at work who really didn't know the market like I did. And one of, one of, the, one of their friends was telling them that they needed to live in this one community. And... Um, 
I was trying to advise these people and saying, you know, nothing. there's nothing wrong with that community. Don't get me wrong, but let's be patient. Let's keep looking because, you know, you told me that these were the, the factors that you, you, you wanted the most, and we haven't optimized those yet. Just be patient. And this woman started getting upset with me because she felt I was interfering with her decision. And at one mm-hmm. point, they they literally fired me because they viewed I was they, – they felt I wasn't being an appropriate fiduciary because I was imposing – my will too heavily hmm. into their decision. And I guarantee you there are people listening to this call right now who are their blood is boiling because they're thinking I'm breaking the law and steering and whatever else. But here's the conclusion of the story. A week after they fired me, I got a phone call from the woman, and she I don't know what changed her mind, but she's like, you know, look, hey, I'm sorry I got mad at you. Would you continue to work with us? So, of course, I said, absolutely, and, you know, thanks for taking me back, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they ended up buying a home, in exactly the community that I thought they should be in, and for exactly the reasons that they told me they wanted to buy. And five years later, I ran into that woman on the street, and she went out of her way, and she said, Mike, I just want to tell you something. You know, remember how I got mad at you and we fired you for a week and all blah, blah, blah? (laughs) Of course I do. And she said, I just want to tell you straight to your face that you did us the hugest favor because had we bought that home that you know that I wanted to buy and you kind of talked us out of it, I would have been miserable because I eventually figured out everything you told me about this market was true. And we ended up right where we should have been. We love our home. Thank you so much for caring as much as you did. And then, of course, they moved again, and I got the listing and sold it, and they came and went very happy. But I risk the relationship, and the point of that story isn't to brag. It's just to say that I—that's what I think no, everyone should do. Right. It's 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 the hallmark of a professional. That's where I look at it. But then if you also sort of then tie it back to, you know, who are you going to refer? So word of mouth, obviously, word of mouth marketing is big, huge, in 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 real estate. And uh, here's a stat. So let's just tie into the stat because this ties to professionalism. I would argue. But it also ties to this funny thing called the Internet in the social media world and mobile world and all this tech, tech, tech. Here's what I find fascinating. And I'm looking at Exhibit 4-1. It's on 59, page 59 of the Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers 2012. Okay, And it starts off with the method of home purchase 2001 to 2012. So in 2001, 69% of, their peop- of, of people surveyed bought a home through a real estate agent or a broker. In 2012, it was 89%. Hmm. So there's a couple of things that I like. I mean, I love this stat, right? This is a very yeah, interesting stat. for sure. Because if you think about it, from 2001, I mean, that was the, you know, the big bang of real estate data transparency, right? Really. It started you know, around that time. And then you know, could say the launch of Trulia, Zillow, and all that kind of stuff. They around 2005, I believe that was, you know, that was really sort of the you know accelerating universe of of data transparency. So with all this transparency, and then you get home, you know, the do-it-yourself network and HGTV about everyone being able to do it themselves, and it's I have all this control, I have all the data, I have everything. Isn't it interesting that as more and more of that information becomes more and more available, and I can look at a home on my you know, on my app sitting out there through my Google glasses and I can 
scroll through the videos, and the, I can do all this on my own. But you know what? Eighty, almost darn near ninety percent of the homes found through a real estate agent or broker. What does that say to me? That says the consumers. Oh my God! I violated my own rule. The clients out there, they need the advice of a professional. Oh, they because absolutely there's too do. much information. So what I like is anecdotally, we go, man, there's too much information out there. I, it's just everyone's coming to me overwhelmed. I go to a cocktail party, right? December cocktail party, you know, uh, uh, Christmas party, you know, whatever party you go to. And the idea is that I'm getting hit all the time. How's the market? This, that, blah, blah, blah. I was on Zillow. I was here. I was on you know, this website. I was on BairdWarner.com, whatever, blah, 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 right? The idea is that that. The agent then has to sit there and ferret and, and sift all this, and the stat is reinforcing that because that is the key. The more and more data that comes out that's out there, the more and more choices that I have to get disparate information and conflicting information. Wow, I need the help of a professional. So that's one cool stat that I like. That is that 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 just sort of proves the the, the point we're talking about professionalism because then you get into. Um, you know, a couple other juicy stats, and if you sort of peruse through this section, you can see referrals are big. But let's just go into this. What do buyers want most from real estate agents? Help finding the right home to purchase. Hello, right there. You didn't even know I was going to talk about that, and you synced right into that. 50% of the buyers want to find the right home to purchase. So even though you stood fast in getting fired, you know what? It's the right thing. I'm focusing on the right thing. So take take the high road, right? Focus on the right thing because that's what it is. Find the right home to purchase. Help me with price negotiations. Help me negotiate the terms of sale. Tell me how much comparable homes are selling for. Help me with paperwork. Tell me how much home I can afford. Help me find and arrange financing. And then tell me about the neighborhood and then other. Well, I mean, almost 98% of what this pie chart shows on Exhibit 4-8, page 61 it's around a professional servicing, right? And then if you were to just get the purest, so we have the purists out there who say professional. Okay, let's just talk negotiations. That's 24% of the people want negotiation help, either on price or terms of sale, okay? So I think that is, and then they have the interpretive side of it. Tell me which comparable homes are selling for. I mean, you know, that's, that, that requires an immense amount of skill, Right? To be able to do that, especially Absolutely. with day and age, with all the different price price variations. You know, a, a report came out in the Chicago Sun Times the other day. You know, reflecting that Chicago, you know, other markets around the U.S. They're you know seeing sort of uptick globally. Chicago, it's zip code by zip code. This one's up, while this one's down. Oh yeah, <laughs> sometimes like that here it's, too. it's separate like zip that code. I, a, I mean, it's like crazy. So how do you properly price something that requires? You interpreting the data properly, and then that goes into professionalism. How well, how experienced are you? How educated are you? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, let me ask you. Can, let me ask you another question. So, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. absolutely following the points you're making, but let's let's draw this out a little in an even sharper mm-hmm. contrast. Okay. What you're clearly saying in my mind is the move is toward more of a. You know, you, you've used the term data interpretation. I, I would refer yeah. to it as con- consultative in nature, right. more a analytical in nature. Type role. Yep. Right. So let's contrast that with what hasn't been said by you or me, which is what's the opposite of that? What has it been historically? We know what we're moving toward. You and I agree on that. What are we moving away from? Well, How I would you describe we're moving, that? We're moving away from, I would say, 
the point and sell attributes, right? So it's sort of like if so if you sort of just think about it, right? So I can right now as a consumer working within Baird and Warner's universe using all the tools and assets we give available to sort of the the client out there, whether through an agent's personal brand or through the corporate brand, I could pretty much conduct my own home tour. I can see things. I can look at bathrooms. I can do all this. I can do that. You can extrapolate that out to various other you know uh, sites out there that are national in scope. You can do the same thing. I can pretty much do my 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 view screen through that. If I want to be able to see and get a visceral feel for uh, uh, a space, I can. I can definitely, you know, taking on some of the con- like house house dot com. You take the concepts that house is doing. So I'm pinning. I'm I'm creating uh, uh, pamphlets of things I like, and so you could do that with the homes you like, obviously. And you say, you know what, I want to go see those. If I get a visceral feel of the space, because there's absolutely no. There's no uh, there's no uh, um, um, substitute for experience, right? In in a space, great. this bathroom looked great. Oh my gosh, it's four feet wide. Okay, so the idea is that that, um, but I, I'm not looking for that in my mind right now in terms of professional service. I'm in meaning the agent being able to point all this out. I can find that through the systems. What I'm looking for is, you know, exactly what the NAR stats are pointing me towards. Find me the right home. So how are you matching up my needs as a potential buyer and my needs from whatever, you know, I've articulated to you and putting that all in play based upon you know that I'm going to do a bunch of do-it-yourself stuff and then I want you to really help me negotiate on my behalf, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's that consultative type thing because you know what? I will come to you with, with uh, a bunch of stuff from – from Zillow or from Trulia, whatever. It's just the nature of the beast this day and age. Yep, I will sure. come to you with stuff from HGTV. I will come to you with, and you know what? You're slammed as a professional with all this extraneous stuff that 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 that, that that's that's piled up on you. And then you know you have you have um, other information. So what that I'm going to deliver to you? And so you have to make sense of all this. Um, so part of my job here at, at Baird & Warner is, you know, what can I do to enable um, our sales associates to make a better consultative type uh, interaction? So we have a bunch of tools and, and things like this that we're launching and embedding within CRM, the CRM system we're bringing online that makes it easier for agents to deliver that interpretive device or advice that's straight from the uh, uh, MLS and not filtered through any other um, um, uh, anything else. And so it's going to come. So it's basic, basic, basic systems and tools and information. Right? It's up. To, if we do a better job displaying information that gives our sales associates a better opportunity to deliver a better client experience in an easier way. That to me is a win. So yeah. but it, again, I'm coming at it from it's a consultative type type relationship. Now I totally agree. That, yeah, in fact that in can fact, be hard. But you know I I mean you know we have fifteen hundred over fifteen hundred agents, maybe twenty two, I think twenty three offices. I circulate throughout a part of my job, my job is to get out to the offices, interview our agents 
figure out what they need, what they, what they, you know, how our systems are doing, and then circulate that back into a development lifecycle, then roll it out to the offices, and then go back and circulate and do it again. It's really an agent-driven type model here. Nothing is released unless agents' eyes are on it. Um, that comes straight from sort of Jennifer and Steve. And so that's the model we're following. But the game is, you know, through that, I meet, all, I meet so many brilliant, brilliant sales associates. This is what they do. They are consultants. They view themselves as professionals. They believe it to their core. They're thriving. That, they so, thriving. so let's talk about – And they have a, about... and, Well, let me just tie it back to some NAR stuff here. So sure. how many buyers found a real estate agent? 40% referred by a friend, neighbor, a relative. So again, it sort of goes full circle to where you came up with your story, to what we've been talking about, the concepts around professionalism, the concepts around becoming a consultant, and then you sort of see the stat. Again, that's the roadmap. So, you know, what should I be doing next year? A lot of, a lot of uh, sales associates planning, what should I be doing? I would focus on what, what you know, negotiation skills, sales skills, approach, understand body language. I mean, all these things that are very important to to be able to read your clients when they're sitting when you're sitting with them, understand you know interviewing skills, all this kind of stuff. You want to be able to tease out, and of course, if you're already sort of there, you know how can you better your interpretive skills with data? I mean, there's lots of things that, that you know through the various boards and the MLS and training classes that we provide, lots of opportunity for for you to educate yourself and keep on the on the cutting edge in terms of the knowledge. We're in a knowledge economy. People thrive on knowledge. I have the data. I want knowledge, and I want interpretation, and I want professional service. That's the key, right? I agree, and in fact, that, it's interesting because you? I mean, you're, you're yeah, little, totally. You're and it, it, it's to interesting because you know you and I don't communicate every day, but it's, it, it, I figured we were thinking a lot along the same lines. And I make comments all the time in that Raise the Bar Facebook group that I started, you know, which is, which yeah, is I'm very proud Facebook of. Amazing Facebook group. You get awesome, 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 awesome discussions in there. We do, and I'm very proud of it. And one of the things that I um, one of the things that I'm constantly saying, and I've and I got to be honest, I frequently get pushback from people, is that my whole philosophy is, you know, the the traditional parts of the job, and I'm holding my fingers in the air when I say traditional, um, is is just not the crucial part in my mind. In terms of you know driving people around, of course we have to show homes. In terms of, of course. the right the base marketing of a listing, for example, my stance has always been that, like as a listing agent, the value I bring starts first and foremost when an offer shows up because my ability to interpret and read a contract and I know that I'm now delving into a very touchy topic because your state for example Illinois is an attorney state where the practice is very different than it is in my state of Michigan which is attorneys are never involved so we have to do a lot of stuff that I guess people in Illinois don't do so I want to you know I want to respect and and, and mm-hmm. acknowledge that difference but my point really is where does where do we bring the most value? And, and you and I are speaking the same language in terms of it being not on the show homes, do the basic online marketing that anyone can do. You know the 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 the, um, the things that we do for our clients that are generic in nature. I mean the difference between somebody who who advertises online brilliantly versus someone who advertises online pretty well in the grand scheme, in my mind, isn't huge. 
But the difference between the person who's able to negotiate well versus someone who doesn't, that's a massive difference. Absolutely. I think because if you think about it, it's it's there's a le- so for instance, we also through our marketing services wing provide the all this brilliant marketing and collateral and we have full image photography done for every listing. We have we have uh, beautiful pamphlets that can be created. We can have basically drop ships. So in other words, somebody can come in, they can say, I want I want this you know, set up today. And if you hit a deadline, we can drop ship beautiful brochures to a doorstep the next day. So it's all the stuff that 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 is expected by someone who, so let's say, you, you know, you're now on the sell, you're, you're listing. So that's what's expected. So what's not expected that I can deliver it on your doorstep that I can do. So one of the things is how do we elevate sort of you take this what you call generic type stuff that's out there. Well, how do we make it a little bit put a little bit of more snaz and, and appeal around it to again p- position our sales associates as rock stars within their sphere. These are these are subtle nuances that help that. But you're right. In my, you know, that's consumers. I said it again. See, it's hard. Even I'm saying it's hard. <laughs> Clients who expect professional service, right? They expect that. That's that's something that that, that just. It's kind of a base, isn't it? It's just sort of yeah. a foundational, so fundamental. It's important. You, it's important. So it's just that it's right, not it's the main thing. To do. It's it's important. It's important. It's delivered efficiently. It's important. It's delivered flawlessly. It's important. It's delivered expertly. Okay, meaning it has great design. It has great imagery and photography. All that's there. The game is though, how do you separate yourself from that? So you know, let's say if ten agents started this, five agents, five agents started it. Two can't even get up to the plate with the basic. There's now three. So how is that seller going to choose the three. A lot of it comes into your approach, your affability as a person, your track record. These things you can control. If you're new to the business, a little harder because where's your track record? Well, it's your approach. It's your ability to convey what? Knowledge. And, you know, that's where, you know, the Internet and, and, and to a degree, a lot of these systems, they've leveled it in terms of that. But what can never be taken away, again, is your character, right? Your character separates you. So what's part of your character? Your character can be built out, I'm going to be the best negotiator that's out there, and I'm going to be known for that, okay? So that's a vigorous advocacy for your client, okay? What is it to be? I want to be the best interpreter of information from the MLS. So what does that mean? Do I have to go educate myself on a class of the MLS? Do I have to go figure out through various online resources out there that, you know, what's the difference between this and that and, and this other data point? That is part of that. And so if your character sort of melds those two together, all of a sudden you become a great consultant. Now, of course, I see that every day with, with top sales associates. They sort of naturally progress that way. But the game is that's the separator in my mind. It's your character. But how do you build that character? And you know that those are some just basic um, tenets around that. In you know, in my opinion, absolutely. Um, you know, we're we're. I can't believe this, Eric, but we're at five minutes and twenty seconds left, and we haven't wow. even really begun our agenda. So wow. <laughs> we're not going to get to it all. So I'm going to have okay. to ask you now publicly here and now that you'll come back at some point in the near future. But yeah. I do want to. I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about one thing that was on your list of things to talk yeah. about, and that is, and it really is a natural extension of what we're already talking about. You wrote a blog post, 
and oh, it was yeah. called Clients Are Not Cows. And I want right. to read my favorite. I excerpted one paragraph, and here it is. Potential and existing clients are neither livestock, corn, nor wheat. Clients are people who have families, passions, wants, desires, and needs, and they likely would not want to be managed, cultivated, harvested, or farmed. Instead, they'd likely want a meaningful interaction with your brand where you treat them like a human rather than like an uninformed data element. (laughs) I thought that was... I thought that was brilliantly written. I oh, completely agree with it. Yeah. And why don't you just tell me what was going through your head when you wrote that? Well, it's it, what I was going through my head is I sat through when I was at Leading RE, um, just at various conferences and stuff um, uh, around the industry. You know, you need to cultivate your 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 clients. You need to farm this neighborhood, and you need to yeah. you know do whatever. And it, I started thinking. I was just sort of sitting there. And this epiphany sort of hit me. I'm like, hold on, those are agrocentric, agrocentric uh, terms. And what was going through my mind is part of my other background is um, the family farm, original homestead farm, up from 1860 up in North Dakota, still in the family. And every year in the summer, I'd go back and help with the harvest. I know what a cultivator does. It is this massive wheel that goes down there, and you have these little heads of wheat that sit there. Hi, I'm sitting in the wind, and I'm in the golden sun. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Chop them down. Then stick them into a big row, and then the combine comes along, sucks them in, and it puts them in this sifter thing that shakes them around so the, the kernel goes into the hopper, and the chaff goes out the back, right? Hold on. I'm like, that's not client relationship management. No way. It's about engagement. It's about understanding who they are as a need, sort of what you just said, right? I'm not going to cultivate you. That means I'm going to chop your head down and put you in a row. I'm not going to harvest you, which means I'm going to every year think of you as, you know, this thing that's a, that's a non-renewable resource because I have to buy new seeds, right? And that's sort of what I was talking about with this. It's, it's, I have another quote in there. Clients seek professional advice. Customers purchase products, right? So what does it mean to be a professional, right? Trusted advisor, subject matter expert, you know, I am more in- interested in engaging clients as opposed to just pushing products, right? And so the the game is, the, some of the central premise of that post was words matter. So think of them as clients, but get away from agrocentric terms. And that's hard because believe me, it's everywhere in every sales and in every industry. But I just think that, that in the day and age where consumers, God, I said it again, clients expect um, – professional service, they also expect you to know who they are. And part of that means to recognize them as that I'm just not another notch on the belt for a transaction. And that goes in probably for future discussion. What does it mean to stay in touch? What's the lifetime value of a great relationship, of a great customer service experience? All that kind of stuff goes into it. And of course, like I said before several times, you see it in the great agents daily that they have a beautiful professional, I mean, a, a referral network. They have these amazing relationships, and they probably don't really think of it that way. They think of them as people, but, you know, there you go. No, I so think, I I think actually, that's a good way to... No, I think, I think you make a massive point there, which is I was waiting for you to stop to make the same... I was going to make the same point, which is that the biggest... You know, if you were to say to me just cold on the street and say, hey... What's the number one thing you've been in the industry now more than 20 years? What's the number one thing you see that separates the great agent from the not great agent? Even 
even those great age or even those agents that produce at a very high level. There's two kinds of agents that produce at a high level. Those that are focused on the agrocentric terms, those that are they've perfected a machine that, you know, maximizes numbers and they have this ROI on this farm and that ROI on that farm and people are nothing but money to them. And then there are the yes. people that really truly care about every client and um I can tell you this my experience is that latter, the one that cares about the clients, is the one that never spends a dime on marketing because the word-of-mouth referrals is so yes. great, they don't need to. And, Eric, we're down to 20 seconds. You have 20 seconds okay. for, for final comments. Go. I just want to say thank you very much for this opportunity, Michael. It's an amazing, amazing uh, discussion we've had today, and I appreciate um, what you do for the industry. You're doing a great job, so thank you. Well, Thank you, Eric. You're coming back whether you like it or not. Thank you for being ah, here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Talk to you soon, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.